You're listening to Blissful Prospecting, and today we're talking to Mark Hunter about a mind for sales. Mindset's one of those funny things, you know, when it comes to sales, because you can have all the tactics that you want and know exactly what to say or what tools to use or to send a video or to make a call or to use LinkedIn. But none of that really matters if your mindset, you know, the foundation um, of what you're doing is in the right place. Because it's it's kind of like, you know, I used to, I come from the construction industry. So if you look at a house, I used to work in a company where we would uh, do residential house painting. And it didn't matter how good the paint was or what color it was if we were covering up a piece of rotting wood or if underneath the siding there was a leak on the other side of the bathroom. It didn't matter how good that surface was that we repainted or fixed because it wouldn't last very long if there wasn't a good foundation underneath of it. And I look at mindset in a very similar way because, you know, your LinkedIn profile or sending a video or using some sort of fancy tool to make a lot of calls really fast or, or sequences, uh, none of that stuff really matters unless the foundation, your mindset, you know, that really dictates your actions and your tone and the message that comes out. If that's not in a good place, none of that other fancy stuff matters. And I'm really excited to talk to our guest today, Mark Hunter, because what you're about to listen to is, I mean, Mark, first off, I've been a big fan of his and I've read all of his books, including his newest one, A Mind for Sales, which definitely check out, which is linked up in the show notes at blissfulprospecting.com slash podcast. Um, so make sure to check that really, really good book, just like all of his other books. But one of the things he talks about is what he calls sales swagger. And I think this is so cool because Right now, we recorded this episode actually prior to all of the coronavirus stuff, but I think this is really relevant still because you might be in a position where sales are a little bit harder right now, and your self-esteem might be uh, being challenged right now, and your confidence in your sales. And what Mark's going to talk about is your sales swagger and where that comes from and how to get that back if you've lost it. He's also going to talk about how to make it less about you and what you can hope, uh, help excuse me, the prospect achieve. And one of my favorite, favorite parts of this episode is where he talks about how to look at prospects as investments and people don't want to buy, they want to invest. So I think you're really going to dig this. Make sure to check out the show notes at blissfulprospecting.com slash podcast. You'll find the show notes for this episode, a link to Mark's book and tons of other free resources to help you send better cold outreach as well. So let's get into the interview. So, uh, so Jeff Bajoric uh, interviewed or uh, introduced us originally. One thing that I didn't know we had in common is you've spent some time in Oregon, huh? I spent a lot of time in uh, Oregon. I was actually born in the state up north, Washington, yep. but used used to live in Portland and Eugene. So there's a few uh, bad jokes we could all say in that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Eugene is a really interesting place. Oh, well, Portland too, because I mean, you've been to other parts of Oregon. It doesn't really represent what I would say the rest of like people like myself that are from really small towns, like how we grew up in Oregon. Most people look at it and they're like, oh yeah, Portland, right? All the weird people. I'm sure people do that with Seattle too. Like, oh yeah, Seattle. Oh. It's like, I, I think there is, I think there is with, it, it, there is two parts of Oregon there. There's Oregon, there is Portland and there is Eugene. And, and, and that's kind of a cluster <laughs> unto itself. 
Yep. And then there's normal people in the rest of the state. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I want to talk a little bit because you have, uh, not to date you here, but you have a lot of sales experience. <laughs> and I, I want to... Jeez, thanks, man. <laughs> uh, one thing I'm really fascinated with is, I mean, you've gone through multiple eras, I would say, of sales. Uh, what, if anything, has anything changed since you started doing this? I mean, there's obviously there's some technology and things like that, but has anything changed just really in terms of the basic principles of how to go about selling? Like, what have you seen, if anything, really change since you started? You know what? We've, we're almost coming back full circle. When I first began in sales, it was all about relationship and trust. And then I think we, we drifted away, got into this whole, um, I don't want to say techno craze, but more of a just, just get it done speed. Now I see us moving back into this whole relationship and trust. Because there is so much noise out there, there's so much fake stuff that people are really craving. Can they get the genuine relationship? Can they get because then, then they know they can trust the person, and I think that that's the biggest that's the biggest um, thing. Maybe we're coming full circle. Do you that's see that's really interesting to me. Do you think that that was? like technology almost allowing people to cheat a little bit in terms of like activity targets and there being such a focus on activity. Cause it seems like that's the thing that I see a lot in organizations where they're pushing the activity metrics a lot. And they don't talk about really basic stuff of like how to build a relationship with someone, uh, how well, to have empathy for a prospect is, do you think it's the tools? It sounds like. You just nailed it. It is because suddenly we had all, you know, back in the, back in the old days, uh, there were no tools, you know, there, yeah. there was the telephone and there was the automobile and there was U S yeah. postal service and, and your car. And then along come all these tools. So what happens is we all race to this, you know, to the tools, it becomes the shiny object syndrome. Yeah. And so we, we wind up adopting all of these things and, and, we really became nothing more than really good spreadsheet jockeys uh, managing the business by way of the spreadsheet, managing the business by way of the tool. Oh, that's a tool. I've got I got to add it into my sales stack. And now I think people are realizing, Hmm, Hmm, it helps, yeah. but boy, it just clutters up the whole world out there. So I'm curious, so, cause this is something we haven't talked about before. Are you, like your approach to sales, I see there's people that are kind of like extremely process driven type of people. And then I've seen the other end of that spectrum where I had an old boss where they could just walk in a room and talk to anyone and just start talking and building relationship. Where do you fall like on that spectrum? Well, on, on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, I'm processed. Tuesdays, Thursdays, <laughs> and Saturdays, I'm about just walking in and making <laughs> You know what? I ping, I ping back and forth. All, I ping back yeah. and forth all the time. Here, yeah. Here's what I really feel. I'm going to use every tool out there. At least I want to yeah. know what tools are out there. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm going to dance with whatever music happens to be playing. And if I'm in a relationship-oriented arena, that's what I'm going with. I mean, last week I was with a, with a company, SaaS company. And as you can imagine, totally process or dump everything by the book. Yeah. And now today I'm, or tomorrow I'm speaking at a conference of people that are totally on the opposite end of the spectrum. And 
I think that's what we have to do in sales. We have to be able to adopt. Well, I, 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 I don't want to say adopt, adapt to whatever environment we need to be in. We don't adopt ourselves because let, let's stay who we are. Let's be consistent. But knowing that we can, we can dance to different forms of music out there. Yeah. Oh man, there's so many different angles that we can take there. I want to, if, if we could backtrack a little bit, because one thing we started talking about before we hit record was this, like having the sales swagger. I think that's kind of a good theme <laughs> for, for us to talk about. Like, where did that come from uh, for you? Because I, and the reason I want to talk about this, is it sounds like a lot of this, because you said like being able to adapt is, I mean, a, a certain level of confidence, I would assume, especially in yourself is needed to be able to you know, be adaptable. Let's like, look like who was Mark Hunter back high school, college, like before you got into sales, oh. did you have some oh. swagger? <laughs> no, 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 no. no yeah, swagger. Hey, okay. Now, now, now I, I, this is, this is, this, this is what's funny. In fact, I write about it in my new book, A Mind for Sales. Yeah. I did not set out to be in sales. I did not want to be in sales. I, yeah. I went to college to get a degree in marketing. I okay. only wound up in sales because of the Seattle Police Department. Yeah, the Seattle Police Department put me into sales. Um, literally. Because, yeah, you're scratching your head. You're going, what the heck? Where, where's this going? What happened was my senior year of college, uh, in fact, actually spring quarter, I got four tickets, well, three tickets. One was a double ticket uh, for not kind of following the, uh, the, the law in terms of how you're supposed to drive. Nobody was hurt. Nobody was harmed. Um, I just didn't know that speed limit signs were to be observed. I didn't know that. Uh, so what, what happened was um, about three months after college, because I got a degree in marketing. My goal was to go into marketing. About three months after I got out of college, I get this notice from my insurance company. And they're informing me that they're not dropping me. They're just inviting me into their high risk pool. Well, that, that's code for it. You can't afford the car insurance. Yeah. That's how I wound up getting into sales. I, what, what happened was I knew I had to get a job that supplied me with a car. Oh. That's how I got into sales. I got it because sales, you know, a lot of outside sales jobs back then supplied you with a car. Wow. That's how I wound up in sales. And believe me, I had no swag. I got fired from my first sales job. Yeah. But it's okay. I, was, I, got I encountered job. that in my research on you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, I got I got a second job. Got fired from that job too. It was actually yeah. the third job that, um, what, what happened was I began to realize that sales wasn't about me. Mm-hmm. See, I had, a, I had a swagger then, but it was all about me. It was all about commission breath. And so you had I, the I confidence really had the, even when you had gotten well, fired at those jobs, you had like, you weren't gun shy or? Well, I, I was, yeah, I was, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. I, I just was throwing, I was throwing crap against the wall. Yeah. I had no training, no support, but hey, the car was great. It was a Buick. Boy, imagine <laughs> that. Oof, that's a real, wow, classic. Yeah. Um, and um, I, so, I mean, I, I was trying to be confident, but I didn't know how to be confident. You know, I, I knew how to have a swagger, but I didn't know how to be a swagger. Then he, it was the third job when I began to realize that it's about the customer. And it's really when I began to realize sales swagger is good, but it's not what, what people imagine is this arrogant swagger. Yeah. And it's not an arrogant, it's a confident swagger. It's a confident swagger knowing that you can help the other person. You can make a difference in them. 
that that's really what it's about. And and that's when the light bulb began to go off. It was the third job. And then things re- really began to click. And um, over the years, I mean, I, I am so in love with sales. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's just, to me, it's the epitome because it's, it's one of those few professions that we get to really interface with so many different people uh, mm-hmm. all the time. To me, that's kind of a kick in the pants. That's fun. No, it's super fun. And so what I'm hearing then is there's a transformation that you sort of made in, internally where if I don't make it about myself, it actually allows me to be a lot more confident. Is it because like you're not thinking so much about yourself? Because I feel like people kind of get tied up to, into how can I be more confident? And the focus becomes on this thing. It's like a never ending circle where they get anxious about something and then that makes them more anxious. And they're like, they're trying to be more confident instead of just moving the focus on the other person. Is that my hearing? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, you are hearing it right. It's You want to be confident in the other person. Right now, I'm speaking to yeah. you, Jason. So my whole objective is, is how do I make you be as confident as possible? Because here's what I found. You think about this in the sales process. When you are confident, the customer becomes more confident. When the customer becomes more, you know, it, it, it's a two-way, two-way street. Yeah. Now, some people will sit there and say, oh, well, if the customer becomes confident. They're going to take advantage of you. I don't, I don't see it that way. I don't see it that way. I think when both parties are confident, there's a truth in the conversation, both sides are being transparent. Both sides are being comfortable that the other person's going to be able to help. That's the confidence I'm talking about. It's not, yeah. it's not the manipulation. It's the confidence that we're going to be able to come up with a, with a great solution. So you th- you, you come across your third sales job here. Was this, was there a moment that this happened or was it a series of things? Like when did you, make the realization that it's not about me and about the customer. I know, you know it was what? so long ago, I'm Mark, not... so it might be kind of hard to remember. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, man. Hey, man, you are killing me, man. Dude, you are like, man, I'm going to dish gonna it back, man. Dish. I got a lot of, <laughs> I am, I am, I'm, I'm, I'm going to dish it back at you. you. You know, what was funny was, and I still remember this very vividly, even in my third job, I got called in to meet the boss's boss. Oh, and I thought for sure I was getting fired. I mean, I, I, I really did. So even in the third job, early on in the third job, I, I still didn't think I, I had, you know, because then it's like, oh, man, how am I going to find a fourth sales job with a car? Uh, and funny, funny uh, here because I, I got married. Um, I got married along the way. So now you can imagine my father-in-law wondering what kind of a son-in-law does he have that his son-in-law can't even keep a job. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I was, I was scared. I was getting fired. I, I, I was scared. I was getting fired from the third job. No, it, it didn't. He just wanted to talk to me, talk to me about some other stuff, but in my paranoid self, um, when you've been fired twice, you kind of get ready for it. You know, you're yeah. You're used to it at that point. Eh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know, you know, what's funny though, think about this. Um, and I've shared that story with a number of people. And they said, yeah, you know what? It's interesting when they get into a valley in their sales cycle. You know, we all go through peaks and valleys. And you get into a valley and you're getting rejected. You're getting rejected. And then you got this offer that just just isn't going through. It just isn't going through. And you begin to expect, well, the next one's going to fail. The next one's going to fail. And wow, that's so true. 
That's so true. And, and, and I think back, and that's exactly the mentality I had walking into this meeting. Okay, this is, uh, this is the way they're going to fire me. This is the way they're going to fire me. And what's funny is think about this from a sales perspective. We, we envision the outcome even before it arrives. Yeah. I mean, how many times have we been on the phone with a customer and we think to ourselves, this call isn't going anywhere. This call isn't going anywhere. Well, sure enough, it doesn't go anywhere because we told ourselves from the beginning, it's not going to go anywhere. And then there's other times we don't, you know, it's amazing how our headset, our mindset really drives the outcome. And it's one of the big things that I, this is why I say two people have the same customer. Why is one able to sell to them and the other isn't? And I think it all starts with the mindset of the salespeople. Yeah. Oh, there's so much to dig into there. So I definitely relate with, you know, when you feel like you're in a rut and you feel that kind of like that looming feeling of like, I can't make this happen for whatever reason. Um, and it really sucks, right? <laughs> what, oh, um, hey, believe me, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. So <laughs> when you were experiencing this, you know, early in your sales career, what are some of that? And I'm assuming this is a lot of what the new book is, is covering is yeah. like, were you like making these realizations yourself? Did you have a mentor point? Some of this, like, how did, how did you start putting some of this uh, together? Well, I, I got to share, I got to share a story that mm-hmm. I share in the book and you can, you can relate to this. At one point in time, I, my territory was the entire Eastern Oregon. Which, oh, if you look on a map, you're driving around is, in Eastern is, Oregon. <laughs> I am driving around in Eastern Oregon. Okay, see, you know, you grew up there. Um, that is a territory bigger than 15 states, 15 yep. states. And um, so I would spend two to three hours in between appointments. So, man, believe me, did customers, um, by the time I arrived at a customer, I could have myself talked out of it so well. It was yep. amazing. I mean, it just, I mean, it just, uh, it sucked. Um, so it, it is a headset. And I think what, and this is what I tell coaching people today. This, this is the number one thing I tell when you get into a valley, what you want to do is you want to take a piece of paper out and use your computer, list all your customers on the left-hand side and down the right-hand side, begin listing all of the outcomes that you help them with. List all the outcomes. Not what you sold them, the outcome they achieved. And when you do that, you go, wow, dang it, I made a pretty good, you know what? I made a difference. I helped this company do this. I helped this person do this. And that is an incredible self-motivating tool for any salesperson. I I tell salespeople, if you have a hard time getting into it on a Monday morning, Make that a Monday morning exercise. Every Monday morning for five minutes, write down three or four customers, write down all the outcomes that you help them with. And it's amazing how it begins to get your mind screwed on straight. Yeah, this is, uh, this is a really interesting point to me because what I've been talking to a lot of the companies I work with about, because <laughs> we help with outbound. So a lot of that's making cold calls, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah. A lot of people their mindset is not right going in before that call. And it doesn't even matter what they say. They're saying everything that they should be saying, but there's no conviction behind it. And I do think that that's a lack of, of belief. So like what you're, 
what you're suggesting there is so powerful. Just like a quick five minute routine that you kind of go through yourself and look at those customer success stories. Cause that's where a lot of the lack of confidence comes from, at least in my observation is, can I like fulfill the things that I'm promising to this customer? Do you see that in your work too? Or oh, it's like that? Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. Now, here's what you got. Here's what you got to remember. If you have the ability to help somebody, you know, if, if, you're selling something and here's the company and they fit the perfect profile, you know, ideal customer profile, ICP. And well, then it's your responsibility to get in touch with them. It is, if you don't get in touch with them, you are doing them a disservice. You're actually hurting them. I um, share, I share a story and I didn't, I didn't put it in my book, but my uh, daughter um, had some people move, moved in across the street from well across the street and down from her and she had not met them yet and um she stepped out of her front door one evening and noticed smoke coming out of their house their house was on fire and now she didn't know them so think about this for a moment well i don't know those people i don't want to call them i might disturb them maybe i'll connect with them on facebook maybe i'll maybe i'll send them a message on linkedin no, what'd she do? She grabbed her phone. She called 911. She's a nurse. She ran down there, made sure yeah. the people were safe, get them out of the house because she knew she could help them. It's her responsibility. Mm-hmm. Too many salespeople take this soft approach. Oh, well, I'll just kind of, I'll, I'll, I'll just kind of send them some messages. And well, if they don't respond to them on LinkedIn or on Facebook, they must not be interested. How do you know you haven't even talked to them? You owe it to them to have a conversation. And this is the big thing that salespeople leave out when they're prospecting. You've got to call the person. I mean, there was a gentleman. In fact, I've got several prospects, good-sized prospects that I'm trying to close. And I'm probably 10, 15 calls into them. Mm -hmm. And I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up because I know I can help them with some very specific things. You have to be persistent. I know I can make a difference. It's my responsibility to keep going, keep going, keep going. So where do you, where does that mindset come from? The persistence thing, again, is something I see a lot, especially, I mean, do you see that with seasoned reps too, where they feel like they're bugging people and they don't follow up? Well, I'm, I'm persistent because I want to eat. No, no, no. Uh, um, you know, you know, it, well, I mean, you do want, you do want to, close sales. And yes, I admit I'm, I'm very competitive. So I want to win. I mean, I, I, I want this deal badly, but I do it because I know I can help them. I know I can make a difference. And so it, it really, is, it really is a commitment and there's no, um, there's no backing off of that. I mean, I'm not going to back off of that period because to me, um, Sales is about helping others see and achieve what they didn't think was possible. Stop and think about that for a moment. Sales is about helping others see and achieve what they did not think was possible. When you're prospecting, they don't see how you can help them. They don't see it. See, so what is your prospecting on? Your prospecting is about allowing them to see it so they can achieve it. See, the prospecting is the seeing, the closing the deal is the achieving. So, yeah. I'm going to keep going. The, the number one reason salespeople, it, this drives me nuts. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm going to get on a soapbox here. 
<laughs> I, I always hear people, well, I don't have enough deals to close. I can't close enough deals. To close. And my argument is, well, how much time did you spend prospecting? Look, sucker, unless you put something in the top of the funnel, there ain't nothing coming out of the bottom, period. I mean, people sit here, people and say, well, I have a closing problem. No, you don't have a closing problem. You have a prospecting problem. Picture prospecting, and it's amazing how your closing will get better. Yeah. Okay. I, I'm sorry. Rant, rant over. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen an organization not need more help with outbound uh, prospecting <laughs> than closing. It's, uh, it's, <laughs> it's huge. It's huge. And yet, and yet companies don't want to address it. Yeah. They'd rather address it. Well, we'll spend more on marketing. We'll spend more on marketing. Is that a mindset? marketing is marketing is great for creating awareness. But hello, excuse me, and, and I talk about this in the book. I got a whole chapter on marketing versus marketing versus sales. Yeah. UCF two twenty. Um, if if the salesperson's responsible for closing the deal, okay, th- that means they're going to know the customer much better than the marketing team. And if the salesperson is responsible for closing the deal and it starts with a lead, well, guess what? Sales had better own the lead process. Now, I'm all in favor of having marketing generate leads. I got no problem with that. But let me tell you something. It's up to sales to really do something with them. And, and sales, you have got, don't, veteran salespeople are the first to bail out on prospecting. They're so quick to bail on prospect because they feel it's beneath them to prospect. Hey, I've been doing this for, well, you would, as you would say, 200 years. Um, and, and I mentioned, I'm prospecting. I love, I love prospecting. It's a kick in the pants. And I'm never going to give it up. And do I have more business on my plate than I can handle? Yeah, yeah, more. But you know what's fun? I love having a full sales funnel. Why? Because that means I get to close better deals at higher revenue. Yeah. So as part of that, the mindset to this like sales swagger that we're talking about, like so far we're, we're like, Hey, it's more about the prospect, like helping them win. I thought that what you talked about was really interesting too. like helping them see something new that they can achieve is really interesting. Yeah. This always be prospecting is that a mindset thing that like when you're working with companies, like, do you have to, like, how do you teach that? Or is that something that is, they either get or they don't. I mean, is it part of the culture? Like how, what do you see? Where does mindset come in? I guess, in the work that you do. With well, these companies? yeah. Well, how it comes into play is you just are always having an inquisitive approach to everything. Yeah. You are questioning your, you have an inquisitive approach to want to know about other people. When you, express an interest in other people. It is amazing how they'll begin to open up to you. They will begin to open up and they'll begin to share more with you. And when they begin to open up and share more with you, it is amazing how you learn. And many times when I'm, so to speak, prospecting, it may be ultimately not a deal for me, but it's a deal for somebody else. Hey, you know what? I know somebody who you should talk to. Let me connect you with them. You see, one of the beautiful things, if you're a great prospector, you know what you're doing? You're also doing a tremendous job of lead referral because you're, you're passing leads off to other people. Because as you get into the process, you're like, hey, you know what? I'm, I'm not the right fit. This company's a better fit. Wow. That's cool. Yeah. 
Ah, dude, that's a perspective I've never heard before. <laughs> I mean, so much of what I'm gathering from you in this conversation is, dude, there's such an immense level of empathy that you have for the people that you're reaching out to. And like, you're thinking constantly about how you can help them. And I think that there's yeah. just what your thoughts are on this too. I think there's this mentality of taking in sales. Like, I want your time. Let's chat for 30 minutes. I want to show you a demo. Like, I want to do this. And it doesn't seem like there's a lot of, hey, looks like you're doing cool stuff. We work with other companies that might have similar problems to you. Like, I'd love to share with you some things that we're learning, some things that they're doing well that might be helpful. Do you see that same kind of thing in your work where it's like this very much a taking entitled attitude of like, I want your time. Give me your time type of thing. Well, yeah. Again, this whole process mentality that we talked to, talked about at the beginning. Um, so the demo, the demo. We you know we get we get paid when we book a demo. We get paid. Who cares? Customer yeah. does not want to sit through another demo. Excuse yeah. me. Can I throw up over demos? What they want is a conversation. Yeah. They want a conversation, and they also don't want a demo because if they really wanted a demo, they could probably find you on YouTube. You know, they they could find your company on YouTube on your website. They they don't want that. What they want is engaging conversation. So it really does. It comes back to having the empathy of being able to listen. It, this is what's kind of funny. Um, the best questions a salesperson could ever ask are questions that customer can't answer and they can't answer. Think about that for a moment. Oh, that's radical. You know, we, we've been taught to ask the customer questions that they can't answer that we can answer. And that'll make us look so smart. Oh, shut up. That is so stupid. It's almost demeaning when you're on the receiving end. It is demeaning. It it is demeaning. And, and and customers who have been around a while, they know the game. Here we go. This is this is game number thirty-two. And what what they but what they want to do, and this is where it only happens if there's a high level of confidence. If there's a high level of confidence between the two parties, guess what? I can sit here and ask you questions that I bet you don't have the answer to, and I don't have the answer to. But you know what? This is going to create a pretty powerful conversation. And what does that powerful conversation create? It creates better outcomes because my whole goal with every sale I make, I want it to open the door to the next sale. The only good sale is one that leads to the next sale. See, I mean, otherwise I'm doing all these one-off transactions. I don't want to do one-off transactions because the most valuable asset I have it's not what I sell. It's not my lead list. It's not, it's not uh, my customer. It's my own time. Yeah. So if I'm going to invest in you to get you to buy from me, because I know I can help you and it's going to achieve an outcome, I want to invest in you in such a way that it's going to create an additional sale because either you're going to come back for more, you're going to refer me to somebody else or something. Then that's, now, I'm, now I'm starting to get the ROI on my sales process. God, another knowledge bomb there with the, like you use the word investing. I never thought about that. Like looking at a prospect is like, I'm going to invest in this person. And it's right. such a more long-term way of thinking versus again, this taking mentality where it's very transactional. Right. This, 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 and, and remember, it goes the other way. Customers, customers don't want to buy. You know, well, customers don't want to be sold. They want to buy. I don't think they want to buy. They want to invest. Customers want, customers will invest. They will invest be able to receive a better outcome. I'm sitting in an admiral's club in an airport right now. I invested in the admiral's club 
dues. I pay those dues every year. Why? Because I get a return on my invest. I, I didn't do it for the fun of it. No. And I'm here having this podcast recording with you. <clears throat> you know, I got a, on an airplane today. Uh, there's cheaper ways I could have come here, but no, I took an airplane. You know, uh, it, people will invest. We have to create enough value that they want to invest. That's what our job is itself. Uh, that's awesome. I, I, lo- I love that way of thinking about it. I, I want to get just one more habit, if you don't mind sharing from the book. Is there any sure. other habits that you recommend around building this confidence in yourself and the and 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 growing this sort of sales swagger? Because the other one I thought was yeah. awesome, like you know, having a list of successes essentially that you've helped customers with, and like being able to read anything else like that that people can you know, do on a daily basis. Yeah. Even. Be- yeah, be careful who you spend time with. This is so key. You, you have to be careful. Um, what do I mean by this? You become the sum of the five people you associate with. Now, I did not. I did not make that. I did not make that up. That came from Jim Rohn, Jim gentleman Rome, yep. who passed away. Now. Yeah. Anyway, but you become the sum of the five people you associate with. You want to make sure that you're hanging out with people who punch above your weight. That's how you too will punch above your weight. You know. I have a very select group of friends, of peers that I associate with, and each one punches at a pretty heavy weight. Why? Because it helps me get better. What does it do? It increases my confidence swagger. I don't want arrogant swagger. I want confidence swagger. It makes me a better salesperson. It makes me more confident. It gives me more insights. That is what I'm on a continuous. See, top performing salespeople are continuously improving. And the easiest way for me to be continuously improving is by hanging out with other really smart people. Yeah. God, that's such a powerful thing that I didn't take serious enough um, in my younger years because I was almost too shy about it. And the, I mean, you're totally right that the reps I've seen like really rip it up. They're so proactive and they almost look at their peers that are doing better than them as people they need to sell on why they're worth spending yeah. time with. You know, they look at that as a sale too, it feels like. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that that's I mean to me, see, sales is not a solo activity. Sales is a team sport. Mm-hmm. And you gotta ask yourself, who's on your sales team? Who is on your sales team? And whose sales team are you on? Because collectively, um Tom Brady, hey, great quarterback, goat, no ifs, ands, buts about it. But he surrounded himself with great people. That's what enabled him to be the greatest of all time in the NFL, you know, quarterback. Yep. So yeah, it's not, it's not, it's not, you know, you really think about it, it's not rocket science. It yeah. really isn't rocket science. It's just doing it. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's that age old thing with sales where, Hey, someone's already done what you want to do before. <laughs> Go learn from them. <laughs> Go spend time with them. Oh, you don't need, this is, you know, you know, it's funny, uh, uh, that same note, you know, people always say, Hey, wh- what, what should I do with a LinkedIn profile? What should I do with this or that? I said, go out and see what other people are doing. Just mimic them. <laughs> Just mimic them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the internet's a pretty good tool. Uh, there's so much we can learn from the internet and, and, and read. I mean, we, we, we all got to be reading, reading, digging in deep. Um, but that's how we get better as a salesperson. That's how we get better as a human. Love it. Well, hey, before we take off here, I always like to ask a question. What's an outbound play that you feel like has been working really well for you or for your clients? 
Yeah, the biggest outbound play is the art of the follow-up, being yeah. deliberate on the follow-up and doing it at a faster pace than ever. Speed sells. If you think you're going to follow up in three days, follow up in one day. If you think you're going to follow up in one day, follow up in four hours. Speed sells, follow up. And don't give up just because they're not responding to you. Stay in the game with them. Stay in the play. Love it. And uh, before we take off, Mark, where's the best place? Because you got a book. You just launched a podcast. Like, where's the best place yeah. to follow you, your work? Um, I love this stuff well, you're on the videos you post, by the way. The airport <laughs> little videos are awesome. But where can people connect with you? Where do you want people to, uh, to check you out? Typically. Typically in an airport, I, I was walking out of uh, out of the men's room this morning in an airport, and a guy goes, "Oh, Mark Hunter, how are you?" And it's like I didn't even, I didn't even know who the guy was, so that's a little creepy, but that's okay. No. Yeah. Um, best place is thesaleshunter.com. That's where my website is, thesaleshunter.com. We got the new podcast, just 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 like you guys. You guys have the new podcast coming out. I got a new book out, A Mind for Sales. That's that's probably the biggest thing right now. Is really I'm I'm really promoting a mind for sales because i think it's a game-changing book out there you know for um salespeople new and old to read and to learn from awesome well i definitely recommend you check it out. i've been following uh, mark's work for years now and you got two other books that are pretty awesome too so you're going to find a lot of good resources there on the salescenter.com and i appreciate you coming on the show today mark hey thank you so much great selling there you have it. That was a fun one. My favorite advice, again, that he gave was this concept that, you know, because we've heard, you know, people don't like to uh, be sold, but they love to buy. And what he's really challenging is that, you know, hey, people don't want to buy stuff. They want to invest in things. And that's one thing that I'm taking away with me. And, and one thing to leave you with is when you're prospecting today, how can you get your prospects to invest in you as a resource, as a person, as someone that's going to help them through this journey that they're on right now? So really dug it. Hope you dug it as well. Go ahead and check out the show notes at blissfulprospecting.com slash podcast. One quick favor I have is if you like this interview and you like this podcast, please go to iTunes, leave an honest review of what you thought. It really helps us to make sure we can get other great guests on like Mark as well. And we'll see you next time.